0: Good morning, ZPC. Truly it is my delight to and privilege to to be able to share with you once again within this setting. But I don't think I've ever expressed to you my gratitude for you, for your willingness to try to track the, the labyrinth. The maze of my mind, I'm sure at moments you wonder, where is he going with this, this morning? So please accept my sincere thank you for trying to endure how my mind does or does not work. Now with that, I'm sure this morning will illustrate the, the labyrinth or the maze that is my mind. And so I invite you to consider seeing, seeing as based upon Luke chapter 11 verses 14 to 32. We have been in Luke's gospel since September and that has been good. I also invite you at this moment to see two minutes in which Harry Potter finds himself within a labyrinth or a maze. And so if you will humor me, we will see two minutes of Harry Potter. And if some of you leave thereafter, I will, I don't know what I'll do, but please humor me as we see two minutes of Harry. Prior to those two minutes, we had a very quiet, pleasant Mood, did we not? We may have lost that. But I would ask you this morning, and again I've asked you to humor me, what did you see? What did you see in those two minutes? Two boys? Running? Racing? Competing with one another? fighting. What did you see? A- and the setting, where were they? Was that setting strange and, and were those hedges moving? What did you see? And, and what were they wielding? Was, was that a stick, a knife, a magic wand? What did you see? And in that scene, what did you understand? Now, I recognize that some of us this morning grew up with Harry. Is that true? Some of us? Maybe? Others of us aged as our children embraced the Hogwarts world. And still, others of us, like me, entered that world through our grandchildren. But what did you see? What did you understand? I I raised this question this morning because when I first gave thought to our passage this morning, Luke 11, 14 to 32, and we will share in that in a moment, But when I first gave thought to our scripture passage, I envisioned a sermon focused upon demons and the demonic. That would have been exciting, right? But as I... and and it was mostly written. And then there was this little niggling um, something, or if you will, someone nudging me, saying, Stan, you're not seeing what's in the passage. You're not seeing what's there. You need to go back and see. This morning again, I invite you to consider seeing. But first, let's take a moment and pray. Living Lord, we we do thank you for these moments. And we thank you for your presence that draws us together. And for your spirit who is here among us. We thank you. And as we give thought to seeing... And as we give thought to Luke 11, may we hear from you. That's our desire. That's our need. So grant us ears to hear. And if possible, eyes to see. This we humbly and most sincerely ask in your great and wonderful name. Amen. If you will now, I invite you to listen to, to hear the word of God. Listen for that word as it comes to us now from Luke chapter 11, verses 14 to 32. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, The one who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, Ah, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Others to test him kept demanding from him a sign from heaven. But he knew what they were thinking and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself becomes a desert, and house falls on house. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out the demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I cast out the demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your exorcists cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out the demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his castle, his property is safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, takes away his armor, in which he trusted, and then divides his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place. But not finding any, it says, Ah, I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they enter and live there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. While he was saying this, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be to this generation." The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and see something greater than Solomon is here. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah and see something greater than Jonah is here. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. You might recall that last Sunday, Jerry led us into Luke chapter 11, where the disciples asked of Jesus, Teach us, teach us to pray. With that, Jerry reminded us that prayer is not so much a technique, how we are to pray, but that it has much to do with our view, our seeing. Of God, how it is that we view that one who loves us as no other, and to do so shamelessly, shamelessly to seek his presence. Jesus highlighted this need for us to persevere, seeking the one who gives good gifts, and in truth, gives the greatest of gifts, he gives, he himself, he gives his spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. Now, if you will shift a moment with me, John Calvin employed the image of spectacles, Glasses. And he used that image to suggest that when it comes to reading the scriptures, we need the glasses, the spectacles of the Holy Spirit so that we can truly see what's there in the text. I would like to take that image and suggest to you that we also need spectacles the Holy Spirit to help us to truly see what is real in life and what is not. And so with that thought, given the context of prayer and the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives, when we return to Luke eleven fourteen 14 and following, it should not surprise us that that we will then see Luke address the dark side of spirituality. And so it was that Jesus was gathered with a crowd. And in the midst of that crowd then he healed a man who was demonically possessed. That healing elicited two responses. There were those who were just simply amazed. But then there were those who began to say, well, Jesus performed this exorcism because, you know, he's in league. He's in league with the ruler of demons, the Elzebul. Knowing that some of them were testing testing him, that they were demanding a sign from him, Jesus countered very reasonably and very rationally, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, nor can Satan divided against himself stand. Jesus then parabolically suggested that a strong man well-armored, holds safe and secure his castle until someone much stronger comes, wrests his armor from him, seizes his castle, and then divides the spoils. With that thought, Jesus concluded... The one not with me is against me. And the one not gathering with me scatters. Which, by the way, I think is a very telling insight into the nature of evil. It scatters. Fragments. Now, for another... Shift, just so that we're together with terms we have on the screen there we go and you knew somewhere or other Stan would do this to you so there we have Baalzebub which in Hebrew is Lord of the Flies or those of you that are familiar with William Golding and his novel Lord of the Flies then there's ba- Beelzebul, literally meaning lord of filth, and as in our passage and in Matthew, uh, is associated with ruler of the demons. Lord of filth, however, is a derogatory corruption of the Hebrew, suggesting that the lord of the flies, which was a god in Ekron, is really lord of filth. The the humor is lost for us, but it probably was there originally. Then there is the word Satan, with which we are well familiar, Hebrew. That word Satan means adversary, or one who plots against. And then that word devil. If you drop down, you can see, well, we've got diabolos over here, which is both Spanish, Rudy, is that right? I believe that's right. And, but it's also Greek. And and dia means across, through, but it can also mean at, and balain or ballo, (laughs) Hillary knows this word, uh, means to throw. And so the devil is one who is an accuser, who is a slanderer, who throws things at us. So, now given those, those words, back to our passage, verses 24 to 28. Jesus spoke further regarding demonic possession. Namely, if such a spirit has been exercised, it wanders as if homeless, only to determine to return to its former castle, that castle it once inhabited. For that castle now has been cleansed and is set in order. But in order to take that castle once again, that demon invites seven others more horrible than it to join in this repossession of the castle. With the aid of the others, they do repossess. And that person, that castle, is in a far worse state than she or he had been. Devil, evil, will not be defeated by fighting fire with fire. No. The devil, evil, will be defeated by the power of sacrificial love. Then in our passage, Now, verses 29 to 32. Jesus spoke of this evil generation and their desire for a sign which they would not receive except the sign of Jonah. This sign, according to Jesus, was Jonah himself and his message of judgment and repentance. Likewise, Jesus asserted that he himself bore a message and was the sign. But this generation did not repent as did the Ninevites, even though one greater than Jonah was there in their midst. Are you in the maze somewhere? When I first approached this passage, I saw it in terms of demons and demonic possession. But this is not the focus of this particular passage. And my failure was that I failed to recognize the focus I failed to see what was there. I failed to look carefully, to consider the repetition of that word sign, the repetition of those two words, this generation. The word sign occurs 11 times in Luke's gospel, five of them in this passage. The two words, this generation, occurs 13 times in Luke's gospel. Four of them in this passage. I did not see. Our passage centers upon this generation and its failure to see the sign before it. Now, that word generation could suggest a time period, 25, 30 years. But that word generation can also suggest a mindset, a way of thinking. And often that way of thinking is is narrowly nuanced. Likewise, the healing of a mute man could have been assigned to those original hearers and observers who might have known well the messianic implications of Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 to 5. And so, if you will, there we go. If you will now read these with me, uh, these two verses four and five of chapter 35. Let's read them together. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing for joy. They saw this man, but they didn't see. They saw something truly amazing, what I would call perhaps a, a wow moment. Did you see that? Can you believe and then they walked on. Apart from seeing that healing, some in the crowd then wanted a sign. They tested Jesus. That word, that verb, to test, occurs twice in Luke's gospel, here in chapter 11, and then in chapter 4, and you probably have guessed it. Chapter 4, where Jesus was tested, tempted. Forty days by the devil. And it could well be that for Luke, what was happening in those who demanded a sign, they were expressing a demonic or a diabolical wish to see a sign. Not only did they not seek or see Jesus for who he was, but they refused to see him as someone who was much greater than Jonah, someone who was much greater than Solomon. Namely, according to Luke, they failed to see him as... The Son of Man, the Son of Man, who will suffer many things, be rejected and killed, and then rise. And I'm sure Luke would have been totally in concert with the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, where then we read that the Son of Man will sit at the right hand of power, will sit with God at his right hand. They failed to see. Quite simply this morning, we're almost there through the labyrinth, quite simply this morning our passage is about Jesus. It's about seeing him. Oh, yes, it is about the crowds. This generation wanted a sign. They were given a sign, but they failed to see it. They failed to see him. Seeing, sight, so very important for all of us. But what we see is often dependent upon our prior knowledge and expectations. What we bring to the moment of sight. Returning to Harry Potter, what did you see? Some of us saw a very confusing moment and wondered what was Stan doing. Others of us saw a very climactic, exciting moment in that third movie where Harry is now engaged in a third trial. But perhaps still others of us saw that this moment gave us an insight of Harry's maturation. He was growing, his heart and mind were growing in courage, nobility, perhaps, and kindness. What did you see? I wonder, as we gathered this morning, what did you expect to see? As you live the day before us, what will you expect to see? And certainly as we live the week, what do you expect to see? Or perhaps more importantly, whom? Whom do you expect to see? With the eyes, with the spectacles of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is there to be seen. Are you looking? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we are so very aware, at least when we give thought, to the gift of sight and seeing. But I would pray for all of us, myself included, that as we live this day and as we live the week before us, that we will have eyes to see you, to see you in others, to see what you are doing, Please, grant us your sight so that we might truly know what is real and good. This we humbly ask in the great and powerful name that is yours.